This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. We're beginning a new sermon series today uh, on David, as you see, and our sermon text comes from 1 Samuel chapter 16. This is kind of the origin story of David when he's anointed as king. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul, that's the current king, if he hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. There's so much unrest going on in, the, in that country. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then said, or Jesse then had Shema pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your holy word, for these ancient stories that still speak to us today. We pray, Lord God, that 
That as we open this book, you open our eyes and open our hearts to receive its truth, that you would speak to us through your holy word, and don't let anything I'm doing get in the way of the work of your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray, amen. What you see is not always what you get. For example, uh, there was an article done by Consumer Reports a, a few years ago, and they looked at, at advertisements on what you see. And so, the, for example, this is a Dunkin' Donuts uh, advertisement for their, their egg wrap in the morning. Uh, you know, this is what you saw in the advertisement, and then the people from Consumer Reports bought the actual, bought the breakfast sandwich, and uh, that's what they got below. They also went to Subway, and they... He said, this is what you see on the advertisement, that picture above, and this is what we got when we went and actually bought the sandwich. What you see is not always what you get. Appearances can deceive. Now that happens with products, but it can also happen with people. We can appear on the outside to be somebody special, somebody with integrity, somebody who cares and shows love. We can appear that way to everybody, but what you see is not always what you get, even when it comes to people. Now, this has been going on for quite some time. Uh, Susan Cain, in her famous book, Quiet, uh, it's a book about the power of introverts. If you're an introvert, I'd really encourage you to read this book, The Power of Introverts. By, it's called Quiet by Susan Cain. And, and what she does in her book is she kind of documents how before the 20th century, we really were a culture that valued character, what was going on on the inside, over charisma, what we were doing on the outside. And one of the things that really changed our culture of a culture of charisma instead of character was the book written by Daniel Carnegie, Dale Carnegie, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I remember reading this uh, back in high school. And, and in this book, it's this kind of a, his famous book. He gives all sorts of techniques uh, to have a good personality, to put on a good show on the outside. And so he talks about there the importance of a, of a firm handshake. He talks in there about, about mnemonic devices to remember somebody's name. He says, if you really want to win friends and influence people, you should greet people kind of like your golden retriever is happy to greet people. And these techniques are not necessarily bad, but if they're just techniques, if they're just about charisma, if they're just about manufacturing personality, well, they can be dangerous. Because a person can look like they care on the outside. They, they can look like someone special on the outside, but what you see is not always what you get. I know about you, but I've fallen for this myself. Especially when it comes to spiritual leaders. I remember back at, at seminary, I started following a charismatic preacher. I mean, this guy had charisma. His name was Mark Driscoll. And he was leading this fast-growing church out in Seattle. And he had so much talent, so much personality, so much charisma that I remember just binge watching his sermons. He was a guy that would preach for over an hour and, and it seemed like it just went by just like that because he was so dynamic, had so much charisma. 
And, and what was so different about him is he preached the truth of God's word. He said the hard things to God's people. And usually when you say the hard things to God's people, uh, your church doesn't grow fast. You know, many people leave, but, but somehow because of his charisma, people were flocking to his church in Seattle. And it, it's a church that, that grew to over 15,000 people. He had to leave that church a few years ago because it was found out that behind the scenes, who he actually was, his character, he was a bully. That he was bullying his, his staff, uh, that anybody who really challenged him in the congregation, he really went after those kinds of people. And that's been documented in, this, in, in a documentary that you can listen to, a podcast called Who Killed Mars Hill? It's a fantastic, fascinating documentary. That what you see is not always what you get. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever had a spiritual leader? Maybe it was a pastor or a priest or a, a coach or a teacher or a family member. Maybe it wasn't somebody famous out there that you were following. Maybe it was somebody even closer to home. And that person had charisma. And that person had personality. And they had gifts. And they, they seemed like they were following Jesus. And you put your trust in them. But over time... Their character didn't hold up to their charisma. And you were disillusioned because some of the corruption that they were involved in. Now, when this happens with products and you go to a fast food restaurant and, and you're hoping the Whopper that you buy is as juicy and looks as, as good as it does in the advertisement, you, you show up and you recognize this isn't what I thought I was getting. You know, you might be a little bit disillusion for a moment. You might have a bad meal. But when you put your trust in a person and they're your spiritual leader, that can derail your whole faith. That, that might lead you to, to walk away. And maybe some of you here are just holding on to your faith by a thread. Maybe you're just checking it out again because you've had that kind of experience. Now we're starting a, a brand new sermon series today called The Imperfect King. It's all about David. And David is one of the most important characters in the Bible. And more is written about David than almost anybody else in the Bible. We have his life story. We have something that we don't have with a lot of people. We have his inner life. We, we read about what he was thinking about in his prayers in the Psalms. David lived about a thousand years before Christ. And so about 3,000 years ago, he was the second king in Israel. David was uh, the first in the line of the Messiah of the Christ. And so in this sermon series, and especially today, we're going to try to answer this very important question. What are you looking at? What are you looking at in a leader? Are you looking at just what you can see on the outside or are you looking for something deeper? And to answer that question, we're going to go back to that reading from 1 Samuel chapter 16. Now to give you a little background, this takes place, like I said, about a thousand years before Jesus. And Israel had just experienced about 400 years of really bad leadership. 
It's known as the book of the judges. If you know your Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. It's the next story after they entered in the promised land. They had 400 years of these tribal leaders. That's what the judges were. Don't think of somebody on like a courtroom uh, scene, but think of a tribal leader. And so they were these tribal leaders that really sent Israel into this downward spiral. In fact, when, when the prophets look back on that time, they said, in those days, Israel had no king and everybody did as he saw fit. It's a really sad, depressing time. And so God's people, they were sick of this horrible leadership and they went up to Samuel, their leader at the time, and they said, we want a king like the other nations have. We want a king who is impressive, who looks like the king's of Egypt, like the pharaohs. We want somebody who's powerful and has got charisma and is is able to, to gather a large army, somebody like the kings of Assyria or kings of Babylon. We want a king like the other nations have. And in that way, they were rejecting what God was offering them and they wanted what the world was offering them. So God gave them what they asked for. The first king in Israel was King Saul. And King Saul looked like the kings the nations had. I mean, he was tall, dark, and handsome. He had all of these these, these seemingly outward personality and, and charisma and gifts of leadership. And he looked like the kind of person that you'd want to vote for, that you'd want in leadership, that you'd want at, in, in the palace. He had charisma, but he had no character. And so what happened with him is is he would use religious things to gather a crowd. He he would use a religious service to get people to come and follow him. Uh, He would fudge the numbers to make him look more impressive. He would do whatever he could for himself and his own power and his own recognition, his own glory. And so God rejected him as king. And it was time to appoint a new king. And that's where our text picks up. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1 says this. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. So Samuel's mourning over the fact that they had this horrible king, mourning over the the political situation in Israel, and the Lord said, move on. Move on, we're going to get a new king. And so grab your horn of oil. So in those days, if you were going to appoint a new king, you wouldn't have an inauguration service, you would anoint them with oil. In fact, that's what the word Messiah means, or Christ Messiah is the Hebrew way of saying anointed one. Christ is the Greek way, the Greek translation of anointed one. So Christ is not Jesus' last name. It means he is Jesus, the anointed one. He was anointed at his baptism. And so God tells Samuel to to get this horn of oil to go anoint the next king. 
And he says, I have chosen one of the sons of Jesse in Bethlehem. Does that name sound familiar? Bethlehem, the city of David. Now, he doesn't tell him who he has chosen. In fact, the word here is not necessarily chosen. The word is to see. That's a very important word in this section, that God sees someone among the children of Jesse. There's someone that God sees that maybe no one else sees, that God sees as the next leader for Israel. And so that's what Samuel does. He, he goes. Now, now Samuel is leaving and he says, how can I go to Jesse's house with my horn of oil? Saul's going to find out that I brought a horn of oil and he knows what that means, that I'm going to go anoint another king. And if he finds out I'm bringing my horn of oil, he's going to have me killed. And so the Lord tells Samuel, well, take a heifer with you so that you can have a sacrifice and have a sacrifice with the sons of Jesse. And when you have this spiritual sacrifice, that's when uh, I will show you which one I have chosen among the sons of Jesse. So that's what they do. He goes to, goes to Bethlehem, speaks to Jesse, says, bring all your sons here and let's have this service, this spiritual service. Let's uh, sacrifice this animal to the Lord. And as they're participating in this religious service, the firstborn stands before Samuel Eliab. And he seems to fit the part. He's probably tall, dark, and handsome. He looks like a king. And this is what Samuel says. Verse 6. Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. This has to be it. Eliab, he's the, the, the oldest of Jesse's sons. He looks like a king. He probably acts like a king. We, we, this has got to be the king. But then the Lord responds by saying, we've been here before. Uh, verse 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Don't just look at what's on the outside, because what you see, it's not always what you get. Don't just look at what, what you can see, his charisma. Don't only look at his personality. Don't just look at his height. Don't look at those things because appearances can be deceiving. So what should you look at? I mean, isn't that what we, all we can see? Don't we make a bunch of judgments when we see what somebody's wearing or, or, or their outward gifts or their talents and we think, that's the person I need. Uh, that's the person that, that, that could lead me. That's the person that could rescue our churches or our schools or our businesses. That's got to be somebody special. We look at this outward appearance. Well, well, the Lord says what he looks at. He says, the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. The Lord's not impressed with outward appearance. He's not impressed with charisma. He's not impressed with personality. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. People look at what's on the outside, their charisma, their personality, how to win friends and influence people. But what God cares about is what's going on on the inside. What are your motivations? What's the leader's desires? What's the leader really care about? What's on the inside? What's really going on that nobody else can see? That's what God cares about. 
And so Samuel has the rest of the sons pass before him and none of them are the one. And so Samuel says, Jesse, I said, bring all of your sons here. Do you have another son that you're not telling me about? And he says, oh yeah, we have the youngest one, but I didn't think he was that important. I mean, he's out there with the sheep and somebody's got to take care of the sheep. And he said, you go bring him here and we're not going to sit down to eat until he comes. And when this son, the youngest son, the one that nobody expected, the one that no one thought was important, the one that no one thought could lead, is brought before him, the Lord tells Samuel, this is the one. Arise and anoint him. This is the one. And then we finally, in this text, after all that drama, we finally hear his name. He's David. And for the rest of the Bible, this name is going to be repeated. Uh, even today, it's the city of David, right? When it comes to Jerusalem. One of the most famous people in all of history starts in this story. See, God chooses David because he's called a man after God's own heart. A, a man that, that has character over charisma. And in the weeks to come, we will see that. What we'll see that, that when the, the giant Goliath tries to defy the, the enemy or the, the Israel's armies, it's David who's got the character to say, I'm going to stand up to Goliath to hold up and honor the name of the Lord. When Saul, the current king of Israel, is chasing after David, and David has the opportunity to kill Saul, David says, I trust in the Lord to bring the Lord's anointed to justice. I'm not going to get revenge. And then when we read the Psalms, we read the beautiful trust that David has in the Lord. And so what we find in David is a man who's got character over charisma, and he is the Lord's anointed. And that's what the Lord wants us to choose too. God wants us to follow people like David. He wants us to find leaders who have the kind of character that David had. So how do you do that? How do you look and, and try to find leaders that have character over charisma? We can't see into people's hearts. Well, first we need to start changing our values. Instead of just going along with the cultural value of personality, of charisma, instead of having charisma as being more important than character, let's go back to the biblical value of following character over charisma. Let's go back to the biblical value of, of looking for character, what's going on on the inside, who a person is, instead of what a person looks like on the outside. That was Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream, right? That, that people be judged based on the content of their character, not just what's on the outside. But how do you figure out character? How do you figure out who's got the character that you want to follow? Well, Jesus explains this in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says this, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick 
Grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So Jesus says, beware of false teachers. They're out there. There, There's such a thing as false teachers. And you won't be able to detect them from their appearance because he says they look like sheep. They're sheep dressed up like wolves. And so false prophets, false leaders, people you shouldn't follow, they look like everyone else. They might have charisma. They might have personality. They might have talents. But they're wolves in sheep's clothing. And so if you can't tell them by just looking at them and just seeing their talents or their gifts or their charisma or how how they present themselves, what are you supposed to look at? Well, Jesus makes another comparison. He compares people to trees. When you look at a tree, you don't always know if it's a healthy tree. It looks like every other tree. Uh, When you just look at a tree, especially like in the fall, when all the leaves are down, every tree kind of looks the same, right? But if you get close enough to a tree and you wait long enough, you'll see what kind of fruit the tree produces. And if the tree produces good fruit, that's a good tree. So what does that mean for us? If we're going to follow pastors or coaches or teachers or leaders... We need to get close to them. We need to to get into some proximity. Let's not make all of our mentors YouTubers, right? Let's not make all of our mentors people who are far away from us, who can curate all of who they are, their character, far away from us, and put their lives through lots of filters and just tell us what we want to hear. Let's not make people who are far away from us our deepest mentors. We need to have some proximity, Get close to some people. Not only proximity, we also need patience. We need to wait to see what kind of character, what kind of fruit they produce. It takes a while to wait for the fruit to be produced on a tree, right? We have a peach tree on the side of our house right now. And it, you know, the, the flowers are there and then, then you have a little bit of fruit. And it just seems to take forever. You've got to wait to see what kind of fruit the tree produces. And you've got to be around people long enough to see what kind of person they are. Because the fruit's going to come out and you're going to find out what kind of person they are. And that's why Pastor Bill and I, we want to be open with you guys. We want to be your pastors. We don't want to just be your pastors from afar. Our head pastor, Pastor Bill and myself, we try to make ourselves as transparent and as available as possible. We want to be your pastors. We want to let you into our lives and we want to be a part of your lives. We want to be here to counsel you through hard times. We want to be here to, to, to walk with you through, through great times. We want to be your pastors. And you have to be in proximity with us to see who we really are. And if you're watching online or, or watching across the globe, well, that's great. Um, we're happy to, to share God's word with you. But I'd encourage you to continue to find people, leaders, that you can be in close proximity with. And you can be patient enough to see who they really are. Find people that let you in to lead you. And so let's go back to our original question. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Let's look for people. And if it's not us, find somebody else 
Look for people who have character over charisma. Look at people who, who have a, a different inner life uh, than the rest of the world. People who have the correct motivations. People who are moved by the Spirit of God. Look for character over just what you can see on the outside. Now, many of you want to hold up your hand and say, but wait, pastor, I know the rest of the story with David. We're going to get to that in this sermon series. Uh, Many of you know that after David became king, uh, after he got successful, he became isolated in his palace. He got bored and he got full of himself. And in his pride and in his isolation and in his boredom, he saw Bathsheba. He sexually abused a woman, got her pregnant, and then tried to cover up his sin by having Uriah, her husband, murdered. And so what does that teach us? That that even the best leaders, the best that Israel could offer, David, who's called a man after God's own heart, even the best leaders are not worth our full allegiance. We should not put our complete trust in people. Because even the best of the best, even people like David will let us down. So who can we trust? Who should we follow for the things that are most precious to us? The things of the heart. Where should we look to? What should we look for? Well, Isaiah tells us. Isaiah the prophet lived about six, seven hundred years before Jesus. And he, and he told the nation of Israel to look for somebody that nobody is looking for. He says this in Isaiah chapter 53. He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. This is the only description, physical description, we have in the whole Bible of Jesus. And it says there was nothing about Jesus' appearance that would attract us to him. There was nothing about his appearance that that seemed prestigious. There was nothing about him that seemed charismatic. There's nothing that if you'd walk up to Jesus, say, that's the guy I want to follow. That's somebody special. He had nothing on the outside that seemed to be that special. But when it comes to Jesus, what you see is not what you get. Because later on, Isaiah tells us that he was a man of complete character, perfect character. And how did he display that character? Verse 4, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace is upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Only Jesus showed complete, selfless, sacrificial character because Jesus let himself be pierced for our transgressions, our sins. He let himself be crushed for our sins, our iniquities. And the punishment that was laid upon him brings us to peace with God. That means 
Only Jesus is someone that you can give your complete allegiance to and he'll never let you down. You've been let down by me. You've been let down by another spiritual leader. Well, you will never be let down by Jesus, ever. And that's why Jesus says this about spiritual leaders compared to him. In Matthew 23, he says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law, these religious leaders, and the Pharisees, they sit at Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put it on, their, on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love the places of honor at banquets and the most important seats in synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and all you are brothers. Do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you must be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So Jesus says, it's fine to have spiritual leaders. It's fine to go out there and find Davids. It's fine to people who preach God's word, but you can't practice everything they preach because even the best leaders among us, man, we are tempted to make it about ourselves. You have one teacher, that's Jesus. You have one leader, that's Messiah, the Messiah. Yes, find Davids in your life, find spiritual leaders in your life, find people who've got character over charisma, but follow Christ overall. Follow Christ overall. He is the only one who ne will never let you down. Uh, you might have noticed that, that before every sermon, I think it's before every sermon, I think I've been doing this for years actually, that I pray the prayer, Holy Spirit, don't let anything I'm doing get in the way of the work of your spirit. And I believe that, not just in the sermon, but in my life. That's one of my biggest fears. And I know I've let people down. I know I've gotten in the way of God. I know that, 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 that something I've done or something I've said has hurt people's faith. And so I want to beg you, want to encourage you. Yes, go find leaders that have character over charisma, but more than anything, follow Christ. Follow Jesus, the one who lived for you, died for you, rose for you, has put you back at peace with God who's going to raise you from the dead one day. Follow Jesus because thankfully when it comes to Jesus, what you see is what you get. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we, we thank you for, for spiritual leaders who have pointed us to you, Jesus. Uh, we pray that you would be with those leaders who have fallen, who have fallen into sin or fallen into false teaching, that you would bring them back to you. I pray, Lord God, that you would keep us all from leading anyone astray. But more than anything, Lord God, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast. 
brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.